Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlos. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. We're going to start off with show notes today. We have our Evening with Medium events coming up on December 13th, which you've absolutely sold us out for mm-hmm. months ago. So thank you mm-hmm. to everyone who bought tickets. Mm-hmm. Now we also have our 2020 dates locked in with the Hampton Inn. Thank you so much to the staff over there. Yeah. Um, so you can expect the 2020 dates to be April 24th, August 28th, and December 4th. Those tickets will go on sale roughly around the 1st of December, but we will keep you posted. Mm-hmm. We're excited for that. Um, okay, so we have a second podcast series called Sips of Sanity. It's a series of five mini shows. They're about 10 to 12 minutes per show. They run the first week of every single month. The very first show will appear on bysarlo.com for free. And it is in audio format only on that website. If you go to patreon.com slash bysarlo.com, Am I doing all this right? Slash by Sarlo. Oh, sorry. Slash by Sarlo. Then you will find the remaining four shows that go with each month and you will get to see it in video form. I don't know if that's a plus or not. People can decide for themselves. It's <laughs> oh, <that's> so true. <laughs> and then last but not least, we have gift certificates and personal sessions available. You can request those through the website or by calling us directly. Do not text us. That is a nice boundary we've set up for ourselves mm-hmm. so that we don't burn out. So mm-hmm. don't push us to that point. Um, you can have the, uh, the personal sessions done anywhere in the world via Skype, FaceTime, telephone, or Zoom. Um, we're going to move on to today's show, which we're both very excited about. We've been waiting to record this for a really oh, long time. Yeah. Um, we have a wonderful guest back today, Carmen Theobald. Carmen, welcome. Thank you so much. I, mm-hmm. I love hearing your voice. I love hearing yeah. your stories. Yeah. It's just something that's just so exciting for us to have you back. So we're going to let Carmen, we're going to let you introduce yourself so we don't get any of the terms wrong. (laughs) Thank you. I know it could be a mouthful sometimes. Yep. I'm I'm so happy to be back. I am a big fan of both of yours. I listen Mm. to your podcast pretty much every week. Thank you. And uh, it's just a thrill to be a guest on it again. Thank you. We feel the same. Right. So if you're going to bysarlo.com and you go into the archives for the shows, you can see that Carmen has other shows and go listen to those, especially if you're a horse lover um, or if you think and find that the stories are still relatable because that's the whole point. I feel like if you're just a kind person, you'll want to listen to Carmen's show. Yeah. And if you just like soothing voice. voice. So So I won't say listen to it when you go to sleep at night, but maybe. (laughs) So welcome back. You've got an exciting topic. It's kind of a continuation, but also a whole new topic. Absolutely. Um, So I'll let you take it away. Yeah. So just to introduce myself to listeners who may not have heard me before, who don't know me personally, um, I am a professional farrier, which means that I work with horses and I take care of their feet. Um, I'm kind of like an unofficial foot doctor for horses. Cool. And uh, I'm also an advanced Eponiquest instructor, which means I spent a really long time in Arizona going back and forth um, studying with Linda Kohanov, who's a well-known author. She's written five books. Um, She's been a pioneer in the field of equine-facilitated learning, um, and it's been just a wonderful experience developing myself through that program and now being able to share it with people back home. So I do a lot of leadership, personal development, um, almost like relationship coaching between people and their own horses. Mm -hmm. But this can really apply to people who have no interest in horses whatsoever, um, because a lot of the lessons that we can learn from the horses and from kind of horse-inspired wisdom can be extremely helpful in our day-to-day life with people, because they really help us learn how to use power in a very healthy way, in non-predatory ways. 
because they are large herbivores, right? They're big, powerful animals, and yet they are not in any way, shape, or form carnivorous or even omnivores like ourselves. So they really show us a different way to be stepping into power and connect to others because they're very social beings. They're very emotionally intelligent beings. And so when we learn how to work with them in a collaborative way, uh, that's really keeping our dignity and their dignity intact, we can develop ourselves tremendously as human beings. What a mouthful. Mm -hmm. I was like, when you started talking, I'm like, oh, I'm going to put a quote around this. And then it just kept going. I was like, I got to put a quote around all of this. (laughs) And like, if so many points caught me, Carmen, Mm -hmm. when you said horses are emotionally intelligent beings, and I just thought, oh my God, that is beautiful. And that they're, that they're so big, so they don't have to push you around. They don't have to bully you, which is, you know, quite often what we think we have to do as human beings. That they just know their power and that they don't use their physical power. They use their emotional intelligence to communicate. Well, sometimes they do. Okay. And sometimes they don't. Like humans. Yes, exactly. Oh, okay. And when horses are left to develop as a herd uh, that is healthy and intact, they do develop amazingly rich forms of emotional intelligence. But when we have our hands involved in them, as us wonderful human creatures tend to have the habit of doing, um, we can kind of ruin that a little bit sometimes. So not to say that we ruin horses, but we really change the way that they can develop. And also, it depends what we're bringing to the table, because we're really part of their herd in a sense when we're living and interacting with them all the time so if we don't approach them with high emotional intelligence they will not be responding with high emotional intelligence this is like the common phrase of don't sink to their level right Right? yes but some horses just like some people are really naturally gifted teachers um for instance i have a mare at home a female horse uh, who is um, quite a bit older I don't want to say that. She's middle-aged. There we go. Uh, <laughs> um, I want her to live man- many, many more years. Yeah. But uh, she came from a very rough background. Um, she was actually an RCMP musical ride horse who what? traveled around Canada and performed these different routines. But the RCMP uh, has quite the history of not being... Uh, high on the emotionally intelligence scale when working with people or horses in their program. There's actually been documentation of this even on CTV where the um, master horseman was uh, put on um, probation because of of abuse allegations. So she was kicked out of the program, nicknamed the witch. Uh, Pretty sure it probably started with a B for a lot of people. And my client uh, bought her actually, and when he went to pick her up from the RCMP auction, she was rearing, biting, and striking at three different officers, just trying to put her halter on, which is the normal, the most basic piece of horse equipment that you put on all horses to lead them from one place to another. And she was literally fleeing the officers up against the wall, making her seem like an incredibly dangerous horse. Right, but out of all of her own fear because she had been previously abused by another human being. She, I believe she had been abused pretty much her whole time there. I think that whole experience up until she was about 12 years old was horrific. Mm -hmm. And my client had her for a few years. She had some uh, better experiences with a human, but... um, never quite developed any trust, had some other really traumatic experiences there in from different things. And when he gave her to me, he was moving to Florida. He wanted to find the right home. And her and I always got along. 
Um, as a farrier, I get offered horses weekly. So I actually said no right away. That's like my conditioned response. No. <laughs> so many people are jealous right now. You get offered horses I do. Okay. That's fair. But you want them to go to a good home. Yeah. 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 And I, I take it as a compliment. I'm mm-hmm. deeply honored by everyone's uh, offers. However, I have to be able to support myself. And if I said yes, of course, I'd be bankrupt years ago. Um, and of course, the gift of a horse comes with so many responsibilities, financial, mm-hmm. emotional, time, blah, blah, blah. So um, so that was my first response. But then I I, uh, I kind of say the story that eventually I ended up working with her and she brainwashed me. <laughs> <laughs> she got you to love her, didn't she? Oh, yeah. It was a, it was a magical experience working with her that, that time. And uh, I feel like she really said, no, you're my human. You need to accept me. Mm-hmm. And I trust this horse more than any other horse I have ever met. I've worked with thousands of horses. Mm-hmm. And I trust, I I won't do this because I think it's quite stupid, but I would lie underneath her and I know she would keep me safe. Mm. So the contrast of the horse that I know versus the horse that was in the RCMP Mm -hmm. really speaks to what they give us when we present different parts of ourselves. Mm -hmm. I've said this, well, we both say this over and over again. A parent's job or an owner's job, mm-hmm. if you're listening and you've got um, fur babies, is safety and love. That's that's the beginning and the end of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. I'm, I'm going to say as a mother that I can think of being a parent to humans. Hmm. Am I am I totally lost? You're looking that's like what I'm I said. Cre- No, I said well, as, I as thought a parent. You, sorry, I thought you said as for fur babies. And. Oh, Okay. We're all present for We're this podcast. We're all here. Okay. I'm joining it now. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> yeah. so you were talking. Safety and love across the board. So across, whoever's okay. listening can understand that what you're talking about, that's what you've been giving her. And yes. now mm. you would lay underneath her metaphorically. Yes. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder how many parents would say that, eh? Hmm. In different areas. Very cool. Yeah. And so on one hand, I'm like, oh, we got a little off topic because I want to really talk to you guys about an interesting uh, framework that I've been able to learn. But on the other hand, I'm really glad that we Mm. got on this track of of talking about grace. That's my mirror. Um, Because being able to apply all of what we're about to talk about was critical for me to be able to get to this point in our relationship and get to this trust space with her. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm excited to be sharing with both of you and with your listeners is something called the five roles of a master herder. And we mentioned this at the end of the last podcast we recorded together because Mm -hmm. um, we're talking about what it takes for people to be able to uh, connect with, work with, move large groups of prey animals from point A to point B with no restraints and no fencing. Mm -hmm. And this is a really classic, uh, natural, huge part of who we are as a species, because if you look at our history, um, pastoralism, nomadic pastoralism is a huge part of how we've developed as as humans. Mm -hmm. And there are even still people in this world who do this. So um, my teacher, Linda Kohanov, spent a long time researching and collaborating to develop these five roles. She has a book called The Five Roles of a Master Herder. And um, a big part of the foundation of her research is looking at a tribe of people in Africa called the Fulani. And the Fulani 
um, still exist. There are much smaller numbers, unfortunately, now. Um, but they travel in various parts of Africa, uh, centrally Nigeria, but surrounding area. And they are nomadic pastoralists. So they live and travel with their cattle. And these are longhorned cattle. They are massive. Wow. And so for the average person, through some research that was uh, mm-hmm. done, and they, they saw that the average person, like one of us Westerners, for instance, couldn't even move one Fulani cow. And yet... That one, makes sense. Right. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. We have some things to learn, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so much. <laughs> so much. I'm trying. Um, and yet these Fulani could have two or three members of the tribe move entire herds of the cattle. So looking at what skills were involved and what roles did they play to be able to perform this function. And so even with our horses and and cattle and and all our large herbivores here in Canada or in North America or other parts of the world, we're often looking at how to do this, but with the help of restraints, with the help of fencing, um, sometimes with very abusive ways of power, right? Mm. So um, not saying that restraints on fencing are abusive, however, we don't always have the best balance of, of putting these roles that we're about to talk to and talk about in practice. Mm-hmm. So when Linda was looking at the Fulani, um, she was really able to clearly look at five distinct different roles that the Fulani were able to embody and have in balance. Very cool. I want people who are just tuning in by audio to understand that Carmen doesn't have any notes in front of her. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm saying this on purpose because I know for those who do tune in by uh, video each week, Karen's got a notebook. She's got all of her stories outlined, which is great. And I love that you do that. But like, this is all knowledge off the top of Carmen's head, which I just think is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just, you're such a natural teacher and speaker. Thank you. Um, and I want people to know like the depth of that if they're depending on how they're tuning in. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that, mm-hmm. Kelly. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, continue. I'm ready to learn. Great. Yeah, me too. And I'll just speak to that a tiny bit. Part of the reason why this is so ingrained knowledge in me, of course, I did not write the book. However, and, and the training was very extensive, but this is really part of me because I work with horses every single day. Mm-hmm. I work with so many horses every single day. So when I understood this model, it spoke to this part of me that I felt was already there and it helped clarify it and it helped me develop it even more. Mm-hmm. So I get to put what I'm about to talk about into practice and test out the theories every single day just to know in my bones and my cells that this is good. Cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's mm. a full life. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, go. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, all right. Before we go through the roles, I just want everyone to know that as we talk about them, there's going to be gifts and challenges associated to each role. Cool. Do we and get to play? Yes, please. Okay. I want you guys to be involving yourselves as much okay. as possible because the more that we can kind of relate it to our human life examples, the more sense it's going to make to people, even if they're wanting to apply it with their animals. So, awesome. Yeah. Um, and because there's gifts and challenges associated to each role, we can sometimes see qualities in ourselves that we're not so happy about. Mm. And a really important thing to remember is that these roles are not who we are. Right. If we're really strong in one of the roles, for instance, the dominant, that doesn't mean just because you're really strong in the dominant role that you are locked into being a heavily dominant predatory person for the rest of your life. Right. Mm-hmm. This just means that you might see some unproductive behaviors 
And the way to allow more productive behaviors to come through is to have access to all five roles. Whenever we don't want to step into a role, whenever we choose to kind of abdicate or ignore one of the roles, that's when we start seeing trouble. And that's when we're going to overemphasize some roles because we're underemphasizing others. Mm. You Universal mean like when laws. someone hands out advice and can't fucking listen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what a great example. Great. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. I'm in the game. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes. <laughs> and I'm going to get into the game too. Good. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. And, uh, and my comment to, to contribute to this little conversation today is you're talking about the universal loss. Yeah. So for me, it's it, it can easily be placed with the universal law of flexibility, um, process, strength. Like you're talking about implementing all of those. And I like doing that because then if people go, oh, are, do they have podcasts on those universal laws? Yes. And are they on the internet? And can you find them in other places? Yes. So when you are done listening to Carmen's show today, and it's a beautiful, well, here it's a snowy November day, then you can go find other resources to build on to what you're saying. And you're mentioning Linda Kohanov, um, The Way of the Horse is another book that you gave me, you gifted she to me. She won't stop talking about it. I'm so glad. I read yep. it all the time. I use it to create conversation um, and to, to see my own behaviors and I absolutely love it, Carmen. So maybe you're going to come back and we're going to do another show be on great. the way of the horse. And maybe we'll have Linda call in. Oh, but anyway, there's my two cents and my ding ding. Super fun. Love it. <laughs> okay, take it away. Okay. So to help understand the five roles, I'm going to ask both of you and the listeners to just close your eyes for a second mm -hmm. and picture this. Picture that... There are a there's a massive herd of longhorned cattle. So these are large, like two thousand pound cows with big, big horns, and they are going from one place that has very little grass left and traveling hundred kilometers to a place that has beautiful grasslands. Now I want you to imagine that you are the person trying to move these cows. And think about the kind of skills that it would take to be able to do this. And now I want you to envision the Fulani doing this. And you can envision them however you like. You can even envision it still as you. And I'm going to guide you through the five roles and what that could look like as you are moving these cows. And these are five important roles that are necessary to be able to move them from this point of not very much grass to this point of lots of grass. So the first role is the dominant. And the dominant role is the one that's able to push the cows along. So to be able to do that, that person has to be standing at the back of the herd. At the back of the herd because you can't push them along if you're at the front. And you have to also be able to kind of divide them up. So if they're trying to go into the grasslands of the neighboring field, and in some parts of Africa, if one of them does wander into a farmer's field, that farmer actually owns the cow. So there's big stakes here. Big, big stakes. So you have to be able to divide them from a certain space and push them along. So those are the two functions of the dominant role. Then there's the leader role. You have to be able to lead them to where you're going. And this is a different role from the dominant. So you have to actually be out in front, 
drawing them with you, enticing them to come with you. And then there's the nurturer companion role. And this is a role, if you will, it's kind of supporting all of the others. So this has to be present even while you are doing the dominant function or performing the leader role. Because the Fulani actually develop such beautiful relationships with their cows when they're not going from point A to point B. So that when they do have to actually step into leadership or dominance, they're coming from this place, this foundation of connection. And then there's the sentinel role. So as you're moving them along, the sentinel is what allows you to perceive, to be aware, to to know what's going on in the sense that you're very, very, very clearly aware of what's going on in the present, what's going on inside of you, what's going on for the cows, what's going on in the surroundings, the ability to perceive. And the final role, which hopefully isn't needed most of the time, but let's say something bad happens and along the route, one of the cattle breaks a leg crossing a bridge and what do you have to do are you going to let the cow suffer there no you have to step into the predator role so the predator role is the ability to cull something that is no longer needed or to save valuable resources or energy so we need to be able to step into that on occasion and so I invite listeners and me and Karen and Kelly to open your eyes again just to get that framework of those five. I never thought I'd meditate to cows. <laughs> That's but that quotable. That is quotable gold. <laughs> oh, well, I love that. It actually makes me think of our journeys that we do oh, once a month. Totally. For patrons. So thank you. Yeah. Because maybe you can come voice some of our journeys for us. I'd love to. <laughs> because just the whole visual of the movement is what you're asking us to do, right? Mm-hmm. In in that well, I'm saying meditate, but you're you're doing a visualization, moving from back to front and then being amongst them and with them. And there's so much feeling in each of those stages. Mm-hmm. That's I, I enjoyed that. I, although I panicked a lot at all of the stages. <laughs> I apologize I have to for tell you something panic. funny. My cow, one of my cows was Kelly. <laughs> That makes sense. That makes total sense. Was she stubborn to move? No, no, no. <laughs> and and so there were there were times when we were doing the meditation that I could see myself as a mom, like in the in, or and I'll say that it, with Kelly and I, um, sometimes I'm her mother, sometimes I'm her boss, sometimes she's my boss, sometimes we're coworkers, sometimes I'm the cleaning lady. Um, or the one that shovels the driveway so the clients can get in, but that in all of, or, and she teaches me and I teach her. So it's, it's very much that there's all of these different perspectives and roles that we constantly wear all day, every day. Mm -hmm. Ours can shift from we're working back to back and she's doing something and then I'm putting lunch on. And it's like, okay, lunch is ready. And then it's like, she may come up and have lunch and then say, she has to come back to the desk to edit and there's a deadline. And I think, oh my goodness, then she's got a client right after that, but the driveway's not shoveled. So I'll go shovel the driveway. So there's a constant changing of roles and you always have to be five steps ahead. So I, I don't mean to be yourself and others. Yes. And this is not the same as people pleasing when you're living in other people's realities. Yes. This is healthy anticipation. Yes. And so I love how you've, you've 
added that to the conversation because it is that you have to be able to anticipate. It is that you have to be able to feel because she she may all of a sudden, I don't know, maybe she's starting her period and she's getting cramps. And then right in this moment, actually, there you go. And, and all of a sudden I might go, Oh, Advil and, and not totally understand it's cramping or I get cramps because of the synesthesia. And it's like, Oh, Kelly's getting her period. (laughs) Go get the Advil. (laughs) So you have to anticipate pain. Cause then you were talking about if he broke a leg or if one of them broke a leg. Put me out of my fucking misery. <laughs> Hopefully we don't have to call you just yet. <laughs> but I liked how you had different terms. So as I'm going through this meditation with you and I see Kelly or clients or the house or the computers or the software program, all of the cows were different things for me. Hmm. Neat. It, yeah. So one cow was my house. <laughs> And then one cow is my child, one cow is my coworker, it's the clients, it's like, it's all these different things, right? I love that. Yeah. So like for me, and, and, you know, maybe somebody listening to this would go, what is she smoking? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Nothing at all. (laughs) Because what you're talking about is so natural for me. So it was super easy to do and to put myself into Unless you're going to now teach me more things, which I'm really uh, mm-hmm. happily anticipating. But I think, okay, she's talking about a lot of emotional intelligence. But there were times when my cow would, all my cows would just turn into blue balls of energy. Hmm. And I would think, oh, <laughs> they're just energy. Would you look at that? This is easier to move than I think it is. And then I was a blue ball of energy. So it's like, oh, yeah, right. I'm one of the cows. That's excellent. So I would be a cow in order to understand how they think or what they're feeling. And then sometimes they would shift in the meditation far beyond their ability just to present to me that they were just cows. (laughs) Even though you would say, and they have these big horns. (laughs) And I'd be like, "Mm, okay, I'm not at that place. They're just energy to me. But how, how would that present then? So does the energy shift and change? And when it did, what did that mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I loved it. To me, it was like um, a journey, but it was also or meditation, but it was also just everything in life, right? So now I'm, I'm all yours. <laughs> uh, you've got me. <laughs> Excellent. And I love that you're already bringing it to the internal and the external world, right? These five mm-hmm. roles can be applied to ourselves, to mm-hmm. our relationships, to our workplace, to our how we treat our house, anything, yes. all of it, all of it. Yeah. And the ability to know when to bring in the certain roles and how to balance them really comes from this deep place of um, the more self-aware and emotionally intelligent we can be, then we can become much better master herders. So, you know, to be able to, exactly, there you go, doing the dance. Oh, I love it. Because it is, it really is a dance. Yes, it is. That's why I'm going, oh my goodness, that makes me want to move like with joy. Exactly. I think we actually did a very, not similar show, because this is is quite separate, but um, the dance of horse and humans. Mm. Many years ago, I think with Karen Barnes. Yes, I heard that. Oh, yes. Right. And yeah, anyway. Okay, go. Yeah. So, 
Okay, so we took a little break there because we needed to reboot our batteries and we clearly made tea. Um, so we'll start back up. Uh, you wanted to dive into some things before we got into the roles, Carmen. Perfect. Yeah, I wanted to talk about two forms of power before we talk about the five roles a little bit more in depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's predatory power and non-predatory power. And even the predator role can be used in a non-predatory way. Uh, We were actually talking about something at tea time um, about letting someone go as your teacher Mm. and, you know, letting someone go out of your life. And there's a lot of different ways to approach that, whether it's a relationship or a, you know, a partner or a teacher or a friend Mm. or even a parent or a sibling, whoever it is that does not need to be in your life anymore and really shouldn't be, you can use the predator role to get them out of your life in a predatory or non-predatory way. Mm -hmm. So the way that we approach all of these roles is very important because we don't want to be misusing power. And the five Mm -hmm. roles of a master herder, it's really the five roles of power. It's the five roles of social influence. So to be able to step into power in healthy ways is one of the best gifts that we can develop for ourselves. Um, because even if we say we're not a person who's interested in power, I believe we all are. We all want to be heard. Uh-huh. We all want to have our opinions valued and thought about and have a place at the table to speak. And that's all a form of power. I think you have to have it in order to be balanced. Yes. Or you're going to be one of those with people flow. pleasers. Yeah. Or you're going to start buying into some of those sayings like yeah let it go or moving on or you're, you're going to buy into things that aren't healthy for you exactly and anything that we do any kind of use of our energy in our life whether it's internal or external or both those are forms of power how we're using our power taking action which yeah. we talk about all the time when you take an action it lessens your anxiety and your action is your power or your ability to get things done so if you if you abdicate power then really what's left exactly you're at anyone else as well and everyone looks predatory at that point Mm. yes and I find this really interesting because in a managerial role I've had to let people go and it's been done in a non-predatory way Mm. but because people don't have emotional intelligence they saw it as predatory Mm -hmm. and I'm sitting there going the decision was made from such an emotionally intelligent place of foresight and hindsight and these, these individuals still couldn't wrap their head around that because they can't see what was best, right? Mm. Or they couldn't see that it, was, that, that it might have been in someone else's best interest to let them go so they weren't coming to work stressed and they could pursue other things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think another element here too is um, what we call vulnerability-based defensive moves. And in our society and in humanity, really... <laughs> Say it again. Vulnerability-based defensive moves. And I know that ego is part of it, but I think there's a little bit of compassion needed to be here because mm-hmm. we're so trained to hide our vulnerabilities because of predatory actions people have taken towards us by using our vulnerabilities against us. Mm. And so in certain, certain situations in family or work or wherever where people have intentionally use our vulnerabilities against us and that happens from the time we're young young children Mm -hmm. um we're really trained to be so uncomfortable feeling vulnerable and so even if someone's approaching us with very non-predatory forms of power it can put us in this feeling of high vulnerability and the way that we interpret and react because of this 
vulnerability-based defensive mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's our conditioned response of perceiving things in this predatory way. And mm-hmm. so I agree with everything you said. I also think that um, the way to move through that is for all of us to learn how to delve a little bit more deeply into these roles, get a little bit more access to them, and develop that vulnerability strength, right? Mm-hmm. It's like building mm-hmm. a muscle. So the, I think the, the more vulnerability we can tolerate, the more that we can have access to all of these tools that we're talking about. Is Okay, so when you're saying these things, my head goes to, I'm okay to be extremely vulnerable as long as I know my boundaries. Mm-hmm. So it, for me, it brings in, yeah, vulnerable can be absolutely beautiful, because I, if I think of that, you're opening up yourself. So yes, but I want to know what the boundaries are around that. I want to know if the person that I'm opening myself up to is trustworthy. So if they're trustworthy, sure, like you laying under the horse. But that takes evaluation. Yes. And what, and you can correct me if I'm going in a different direction. If you've been hurt, if you've grown up being parented where they exploited your vulnerabilities and you were in a survival stage, then you may generalize and grow up with that same six-year-old mentality thinking, I can't trust anyone. It takes evaluation to look at this person in front of you and go, I think they're working in my best interest, or I think they're actually trying to be kind and needing to detach from what your story has been, right? In order to give someone a chance to see if they're trustworthy. And we need to have a certain amount of tolerance for that feeling of vulnerability to do that kind of assessment, Mm -hmm. because otherwise we're just in the fight or flight or freeze mode. Yes. So we're not we're literally physically incapable of doing any kind of accurate assessment from that fierce response. Mm -hmm. And that spot you're talking about is anxiety inducing, depression inducing, where we say stay stagnant. To all of our listeners, it's snow blowing season. So if you do hear something in the background, we can't avoid it in all of our recordings. (laughs) For the next six bloody months. Yeah, we're just going to power through. (laughs) Sorry, Carmen. No, no, that's good. Absolutely. (laughs) It's the only competition you'll have. (laughs) Such as living in northern Canada. Mm -hmm. Yes, and we have blankets across our knees (laughs) because we can't run the heat. For auditory. for auditory purposes for the shows. So you're, you know, this is life. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, I'm loving mm-hmm. your conversation. And I'm loving that you're giving people terms. And that because Kelly and I love helping people with vocabulary. And I know you listen to the shows and that you know that. And it's one of the reasons why I think you like coming and doing some of the shows because you know, then that you're contributing to helping people create vocabulary. Because once we start identifying what through vocabulary, some of the experiences we've had or what people have done to us or why we behave the way we do, then we can sit and be vulnerable. Yes. And that's part of why I love these roles, because it's another tool. It's another list of vocabulary that helps reframe things for people. And it when we're really uncomfortable, for instance, stepping into the dominant role, right? The dominant role is our ability to say no. Our do- the dominant role is the ability to set those boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we can especially do it in this way that is balanced as a master herder that's incorporating other roles that are appropriate, um, you know, we can have amazing results with that. But it's so hard for many people to, for instance, step into this role. So having that 
vocabulary to go along with it, mm-hmm. especially when you start educating friends and family about it. You mm-hmm. can even say to them, okay, so I'm really uncomfortable in the dominant role, but I'm going to step into it here because I need to, and I'm doing it because I really care about you and I want this to work out well for both of us. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, no. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> It's, no. <laughs> it's the healthy. Well, hey, we did a show in uh, in EQ on a page of of how to say no, and all of the different no's. Whether like what you're doing right now, hell no, hard no, um, pass. yeah, pa- hard pass. Um, I'll think about it. Can I get back to you? I need more information, like before I make a decision. But all the ways that people can learn to say no, so that they have. What I re- what we refer to as that emotional intelligence, because it is a process in order to feel vulnerable. Yes, there's a process there. You can't. If someone says you just don't trust me, well, then there's a reason. There was a process here where the trust was broken, and there has to be a process to regain it. You don't get it. You don't get a a, a pass uh, go. And you get to be trusted again, just because you're my boss, or just because you're my partner or my parent, you have to earn it. And a lot of parents don't want to hear that. A lot of bosses do not want to hear this conversation. They might like what you're saying, Carmen, but uh, but they actually don't. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a fair bit of resistance. And I think we talked about at our tea break that we're going to probably have another podcast about this. So I'm not going to go too deeply into the roles today so we can really just kind of understand at a surface level more and play around with some examples. I'm actually thinking, this is off the top of my head, I think you should probably come back for Sips of Sanity because we could actually dive in individually to each of them and now mm-hmm. that we're on patreon um the f- the following monday after sips of sanity we actually put out reflective questions mm-hmm. for people to follow along mm-hmm. with sips of sanity to respond and really reflect um intelligently to create what i refer to as the rolodex of questions mm-hmm. yeah so that your your the questions you're asking you're in your own head and the questions that you're asking others or that if they're not asking you the right questions you need to know that so that you can go, that was a stupid question. Don't ask me what's wrong. Ask me what uh, what I need right now. But be able to teach people those things. Mm-hmm. So I think Kelly and I are very much on the same page that it is imp- it is imperative that you come back. <laughs> I would so love to. And hey, five rules, five days of the week. There yeah. you go. Okay. <laughs> Good. Perfect. Um, but I think it's so, I'm so loving that we've, dived a little bit into the vulnerability piece here. Um, are you guys familiar with Brene Brown? Not overly. I know of her. Okay. Um, I know she comes from like a, a social social background, right? Social, social work. Yeah. Um, she's a researcher. She's a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to throw her name into the list of uh, books to read for your readers. Um, she's got a bunch of them that are wonderful out there. But talking about trust, um, she mm. talks about... Uh, I mean, she's done so much research into shame, vulnerability, and then, of course, how that leads to mm-hmm. joy and mm. all of these wonderful things, how vulnerability is truly the birthplace of joy and love and creativity and mm-hmm. um, all of all of the wonderful things that we want in life. So the amount of joy we can experience is in direct correlation to how much vulnerability we can tolerate. Mm-hmm. And 
Speaking of trust, she has a wonderful acronym, which is BRAVING, which is the, the building blocks of trust, right? And the first B, the first letter is boundaries. Mm. And without boundaries, we can't go forward. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not all that's involved, right? We have to be mm-hmm. able to develop trust in this whole rounded way. So I'll just throw it out there because cool. I word here. So mm-hmm. B is for boundaries. R is for reliability. Mm-hmm. A, accountability. Mm-hmm. V is for vault. So how well am I actually able to uh, not share the things that I shouldn't be sharing? And, mm-hmm. and I'm going to trust you less if you're sharing things that you shouldn't be sharing. Even if it's a fun gossip thing in the moment, mm-hmm. I'm actually going to trust you a little bit less yeah. later. Right. Um, I is for integrity. Uh, and non-judgment so how you know even when we're Mm -hmm. discussing things if we can have that non-judgmental approach and g generosity so if you're late for an appointment can i come up with the most generous story possible in my head as to why you're late and not go to this negative Mm -hmm. place so she's talking again quite quite a bit about universal laws in this absolutely it does still come back down to she's actually naming several of them 100 percent, and or reframing some of them for people which is still fine Uh, yeah Uh, you know what that's exactly what people are going to do in every generation before Brene Brown, you had an Eckhart Tolle and you there's all Deepak Chopra there's there's always going to be someone for each generation I guess who says it a little bit differently yeah and reframes I'll say what are some very basic things yes exactly and I think the reframing whether you're picking someone from a past generation or future generation Mm -hmm. uh, it's really helpful to have these reframes because it breaks us out of these um, cycles and patterns a little bit you know we mm-hmm. can maybe hear the same message 20 times and feel like it's true but it doesn't really get through to us and then a reframe for instance like the five roles of master herder can really start people thinking in a different way because they're visualizing it and embodying it a different way mm-hmm. and so even though they knew this before it's able to kind of get into our self into our mind mm-hmm. our soul into our body a little bit differently and break through some of those stuck challenges yeah like because you're, you're talking about that how we connect and that and this is one of the reasons why we ask you on the show because there are people who connect through horses mm-hmm. just like if we ask karen barnes to come and it, whether it's horses or other pets right or if it's a different type of person you connect through your spine or you connect through relationships or stories or acronyms or art art or, or uh, your dog, whatever it is. And now I'm seeing on the internet, people trying to connect through numbers. So it's the seven. Oh God. This. No, it's the, not. No, I, well, I'm just saying, <laughs> Carmen. I do prefer Carmen as well. I'm not <laughs> arguing. <laughs> just so you know, <laughs> I'm not arguing. I'm just, I'm saying that it's good. We have to keep hearing it. Yeah, I agree. So to continue on that track a little bit. um, So if we can look at the predatory versus non-predatory use of the roles, then we can really understand um, some of the ways that we can best use them. That doesn't mean that we're not going to see dysfunctions in the role that are still non-predatory. Those still exist. Mm -hmm. But the way that we can... think about distinguishing predatory versus non-predatory power is the intent and if we're using others' vulnerabilities against them. Mm-hmm. So are we coming from a place that is trying to be for the good of the herd? And sometimes that means still good for one individual more than the others because yeah, if I'm the leader, her. I have to be 
taking doing my self care. Yes, firing them. Right? Exactly. Employing the predator role is uh, can be really for the good of the herd. If that person is bringing the whole team down, there is no goodness to keeping them around. But the way that you then employ the role yep. needs to still be in this non predatory way. So, you know, looking at um, how we can have access to these roles with a different intent for the good of the herd or for really personal gain and using others' vulnerabilities against them. Mm-hmm. Not advocating for the latter. <laughs> <laughs> and yet we do it sometimes, right? We're human. We screw up. We have our faults. We mm-hmm. have learned bad behaviors. So again, I'm just going to repeat here, um, this is not who you are. And I really appreciate that about this particular model because I've been exposed to other kinds of personality testing and this and that. And they can have some interesting insights, but I also feel like they really box us in. Mm-hmm. And so one of the beautiful things about this this model is that Um, when we can do our self-assessments with it, we might understand, okay, I'm really strong in the nurture companion role right now, and I'm really strong in the sentinel, but the leader and the dominant, not so much. That doesn't mean that's who I'm going to be for the next, for the rest of my life, Mm -hmm. or even for the next year. That's Mm -hmm. who I am right now. And in this situation, because this this, situation is different from at home. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) exactly this second (laughs) and so the gift of understanding more deeply how we are with the roles right now allows us to have a baseline to work from so we can develop more access to the roles we're not as comfortable with Mm -hmm. and learn how to moderate uh, the not so helpful behaviors of the roles maybe we're overemphasizing my head just goes to so many relationships yeah when you're talking about that and, and just the beauty of, and I'm going to say the beauty and the joy, and I really truly mean it. When you do pause long enough as you're shoveling the driveway or mowing your lawn or cooking, whatever painting, um, to take your time to really think about where you're at, because quite often some people really just focus on where everybody else is at. They don't, they don't look within enough to understand what's going on in their life and how they're actually contributing to it. And you're giving them the tools to do, to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And someone can have, just to, to emphasize what you're saying, someone can have all of the skills, to quote unquote, skills needed to mm-hmm. move these Fulani cow, for instance. But if they don't have that self-awareness of what they're contributing, they may be in the dominant role, but using way too much power and all the cows are going to scatter. Mm-hmm. Or they may have not nearly enough power and think that they're having this great effect and then the cows go wander off somewhere they're not supposed to. <laughs> you know, Carmen, when you're talking about the cows all the time, <laughs> I keep going back in my head to thinking about a work environments where somebody, um, it may be like an employee and not happy and think it's all the boss's fault because the boss is the one that's herding the cows not recognizing that within themselves as a cow, (laughs) if you're hearing this, you just got called a cow, yeah, Um, (laughs) how your own behavior does affect all of the other cows and the boss. A hundred percent. And that's a perfect segue into my next point, which is that we can actually cause the unproductive behaviors in others when we're not willing to step into certain roles ourselves. Mm -hmm. So let's say this is a very common dynamic. Let's say I'm a person who is very strong in the nurture nurture companion role. What one of the challenges with this is often people very strong in this role have trouble differentiating between assertiveness and aggression. 
Mm. And they tend to make uh, these partnerships, whether it's at work or at home, with people very strong in the dominant role because really we need the dominant role in life to perform various functions. And we may also be attracted to people who are strong in a role that we're not so strong in. And so you'll have someone who's very strong in the dominant role, let's say in a relationship, partnered with someone who's very strong nurture companion. And because they're not so good at stepping into the other roles themselves, Mm -hmm. the the opposite ones, they're actually causing the other to have more of the unproductive behaviors. So you're going to see more of the kind of um, just using dominance as a, as a intimidation game Mm -hmm. and um, someone who's strong in that role is going to be really naturally inclined to push people's buttons and feel kind of good about the reactions they can get out of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the person who's strong in the nurture companion isn't going to be able to step in and draw the line when it's necessary and stick up for themselves and almost engage in the dominance games themselves, but just to, to set the mm-hmm. standard. So being able to step into that dominance with that kind of playful nature. Um, but if they can't do that, they're just going to perpetuate uh, their own behavior of not being able to be assertive and over time holding grudges and maybe passive aggressive behavior and lashing out to, you know because they're not comfortable in this more assertive category so they're just jumping into this explosive reaction when they have had enough um, and that actually perpetuates the immature dominant behavior mm-hmm. so it's this vicious cycle and so often we'll see like with teams where someone is stepping in as a dominant middle manager because um, no one on the team can actually step into this place of being very directive and assertive. They don't feel comfortable being quote the bad guy, even though it's not the bad guy, right? If we can do it well. Preaching to the choir over here. Yeah, I bet I am. (laughs) Um, And so you'll have a very dominant middle manager, but they end up being pegged as um, kind of the bad guy, even though they're never given the opportunity to step into more of the caring roles mm-hmm. um, because they're locked in. So we, we kind of lock each other into these behavior patterns. And the only way to escape that, the only way to move forward is to start to develop more access to the other roles yourself because that really does lessen the unproductive behaviors in others. Mm, this is beautiful for whether it's a couple or families mm-hmm. or a work environment or a friend group, you can see these things occurring in friend groups as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. For sure. So knowing that we're going to do a Sips of Sanity together, uh, I'm not going to go too deeply into any of the roles with listeners today, um, but let's just do a quick little back and forth of the five roles, because I know that you guys are so insightful and intuitive, um, and just see what examples you can bring up quickly for each of the five roles to sure. help listeners Ooh, connect. We sure got bells. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. That would recap a little bit of Kelly. a little bit of competitiveness. <laughs> okay, so the dominant role. What example would you see that it's a really productive behavior? Decisiveness in a boss. Mm-hmm. Decisiveness is a, is a characteristic of a dominant trait. Absolutely. Um, I would say it allows then curiosity. It'll it allows um intuitiveness and being inventive neat what about an unproductive behavior um a bad listener a a dominant if you're working it right into the negative could be that you've got your mind made up and you're no longer listening or open or lack of curiosity great that's my stomach you got the snowblower and my stomach this morning (laughs) 
<laughs> sorry. Okay, sorry. Ask me the question again. I was listening to her stomach. <laughs> okay. What do you think an unproductive behavior of the dominant role would look like? Oh, I'm going to say avoidance. Uh, like I, I think of some of the forms of abuse, and I think people can slide easily into avoiding procrastinating. Okay. Um, that's possible. I would think it's more because the main functions of the dominant are to divide and uh, push. So that pushing power and that divisive power. So using more of the action, the, the lack of action is more of an unproductive characteristic of the nurture companion. Oh. Yeah. Funny okay. enough. Okay. And I think you could argue it in both ways because I know what you're saying and I know mm-hmm. what you're saying. Because if you are the dominant person in a relationship and you pull the cold shoulder, it is a form of an action. So the avoidance of walking out of a mm-hmm. room, shutting a conversation down and basically saying, we're not talking about that, mm-hmm. blocking and diverting, mm-hmm. then you've got that person stuck, panicked, and they know you've got the control. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And especially if that person walking out of the room is doing it, knowing it's a power move, and not, not because, it. yes, that's, and not because they're too anxious and they just can't handle it anymore. Yeah, that's, exactly. my, yes. that's my point. Yeah. Spot on. Cool. Cool. Also, if there okay. was a bell for the record, I'd be winning. <laughs> True. <laughs> Dominant. All right. Dominant. Kelly won. All right. <laughs> so as a leader, again, very different from the dominant role. Often in our society, we're going to put these two as one, right? We talk about leadership, but we kind of assume that it means dominance, but they're very different functions. So the leader is the one who's really got that vision, who's pulling people towards them, towards a vision. What could be an unproductive behavior of the leader role? Doing for them. I think about Mm -hmm. parents who do too much for their kids to the point where they still tie their own shoes. They still get their lunches ready. They still, they're not looking at um, assigning age appropriate tasks and they, they do things for instead of saying, how would you go about this? What, and like teaching them how to anticipate for themselves. Yes. Yeah. Getting impatient and just saying, I'm mm-hmm. going to do it instead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I am. So Carmen, when people talk, I listen and I don't think. <laughs> and that is my behavior. So she's right about me not having a bell, even though I desire one. <laughs> I'm thinking. Because I don't think when, when you're talking or when she's talking, I 100% listen. And I 100% engage in that those thoughts. So you have to ask the question again. That's a beautiful quality. I'm very happy okay, to answer, ask it again. <laughs> Go. So what would be an unproductive behavior of the leader role? Okay, I think about what's going on in the news. Um, I'll say in the United States. And I'll say also in Europe with Brexit. And when I look at those leadership roles in a negative way, their intention is not healthy. It's not healthy for themselves or for the public. Hitler. Yeah. You're rallying people with with not a good intention. Yes. Exactly. If I think of the rallies that are being held, if I think of the, the, the lies, the gaslighting, all of the things a leader could do, um, to motivate people for something unhealthy. Absolutely. 
And, you know, an extreme example like Hitler uh, or even some of the current world issues, Mm -hmm. that could be that's a very predatory use of the leader role. Um, But even an unproductive use of the leader role um, that's in the same direction could just be someone who's not prepared uh, or doesn't know enough about where they're leading people to. Oh, that would be my point with Trump. Yes, of course. (laughs) But it could it could even be predatory, right? If he has actual. But there's a distinction, right? There's a difference between intentionally leading someone somewhere where you know they're going to be harmed. I think this will be the only time I use the word healthy when I refer to Trump. I think he has a healthy balance (laughs) of predatory and non because he's fucking stupid, but he also knows what he's doing. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Because if you really, really watch what he's doing, he does do both. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There are those two situations occurring. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go on. So what would be a use of the leader role in a, did we do the productive already? No. no. Okay, no. good. Um, so what would be a productive use of the leader role in yourself? I'll let you answer first. <laughs> so I don't lose my shit? No. Okay. Um, well, and I could say healthy intention. Mm. I could say self-reflection. Um, all of the things that are involved in healthy intention. How's that? Great. Because that's beautiful. That's broad. I think healthy leadership also, um, or one of the characteristics is uh, giving credit where credit is due, mm-hmm. right? Acknowledging the people that got you to where you are, acknowledging who who contributed to um, the success or the accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Mm, I like that too, Kelly. Mm-hmm. It's it's inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Oh, I, and I hope that when people heard that I said intention, that they think, oh yeah, Kelly's and Karen went together. Because if it's a healthy intention, then inclusivity is part of that. It's not just what's in it for me. It's what's in it for everybody. It's all the cows. That's right. Right? It's That's all right. It's all of your cows. Love it. Yeah, for the good of the herd. Mm-hmm. Nurture companion role. Um, what if one of you did self and one did external like the sure. to, towards others yeah okay. change it up a little midway okay <laughs> go keep ahead. it interesting I'll let you choose karen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay karen how about you do self what's a what's a productive use of the nurture companion role for the self boundaries is no, that what you mean carmen no like how like to be caring and nurturing um using that role towards yourself how what what could that look like for someone employing that role for themselves the boundaries would definitely be the dominant role okay Mm -hmm. so in the nurturing Mm -hmm. if in your term of nurturing um i want to say what i just want to ring my bell you want to ring your bell i want to say things like rest i i think because it's something that people don't necessarily give credit to is that some people want to go 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 and be busy and self-nurturance is knowing when to rest and making sure that you have enough of it. And I tell you, my spirit guides sure kicked my ass for that one. Mm-hmm. Because you can't use your intuitive gifts. You can't be fully present for humans, yourself, or the spirit world when you are fatigued. Yeah. And I mean, oh my God, I, we could give you lists for that one. It's just to pick which ones. Absolutely. I'll go with rest. And you kind of did an unproductive at the same time, right? Because if we're not giving ourselves that rest, if we're not using the nurture companion role for ourselves, Mm -hmm. just like what you said, we get our asses kicked. Yeah. And then if we don't know how important and valuable rest is for ourselves, we often then don't value it if somebody else calls in sick. 
if somebody else, like an employee, can't go to work or we don't want our children to miss a day of school to be sick. We don't value what our body needs. Beautiful. So external for me? Sure, yeah. So this is giving this to other people? Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, one of the ways I love to nurture others is by asking them questions so Mm -hmm. that they can self-reflect in the moment. Mm -hmm. If it's as simple as what do you need? Um, how can I, how can I help? Um, it's letting, it's giving someone back the time and the space Mm -hmm. to figure out what they need to Mm -hmm. proceed. Oh, I love when you said time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't rush them through it. And what would a, uh, unproductive use of the role look like with others? Of nurturing or nurturing? Hmm. And unproductive, like just taking away nurturance? Yeah. Criticism. Could be, yeah. Right? I think some people think that that they are giving productive feedback and they're not. They're just criticizing. Mm. And where it had the opportunity to be nurturing so that they could move forward with better um, qualities or information even, um, it's presented in a way that's not very kind or considerate or productive. Absolutely. Mm. And this is where people-pleasing lives, Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. role. When we are people-pleasing, we're using the unproductive use of this role. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for me, for self, I was going to say something like, Didn't um, you do this already. Maybe are I you did. okay? Yeah. <laughs> you might have an interesting afternoon coming here. <laughs> I have clients coming after this. I think I might already be gone a little. Okay. okay, okay. Go on, Carmen. <laughs> so for the sentinel role, the sentinel is that ability to perceive, right? Mm-hmm. And the difference between the leader and the sentinel is the leader is really focused on the future vision and the sentinel is focused on the present vision so what could be uh for you karen what could be a use of the sentinel role um for yourself that would be very good i'm I'm not uh, i might have to pause here that's okay i don't understand the question sure so how can we use that ability to perceive with ourselves like that self-awareness yes how how can we use that in a positive way for ourselves she's stumped and she does it every goddamn day yeah i'm just wondering (laughs) (laughs) this is embarrassing (laughs) i don't know how come my head's going so blank on all these things because you've got clients in 20 minutes it's okay Yeah. yeah Yeah, so we're going to speed this up so that Karen can make yeah. sure she has the time she needs. <laughs> That's okay. It's knowing what you feel, right? No, oh, yeah. You're doing it right now. And oh, then, yeah. Okay, is the stuff that I'm feeling mine or is it my client's that's coming? I have in? a sore foot right now and a sore left hip and I know it's not mine. Well, that's a beautiful use of the sentinel role. Yeah, like it's it's the synesthesia for me. It's empathy. It's It's just so, you know what, Carmen, maybe it's just so fluid in my life and that I'm always aware there's never a moment of not. That makes sense to me. And <laughs> I on, see Kelly. that in you and, and having interactions with you. I really see that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> How about you, Kelly? What do you think about that ability to perceive or be aware for the external? external? Mm. Being aware of when energy shifts in a room. Mm-hmm. So if I make a comment that's well-intentioned and I, mm-hmm. I feel a slight shift or just even a not like a verbal or a non-verbal to see that they may not have taken it the way that I meant mm-hmm. or that they may have missed a piece of information because maybe they're an anxious listener. It's it's the ability to see, oh, okay, that wasn't received the way I was mm-hmm. hoping for. Let's dial it back and nurture, yeah. right, or lead. Mm-hmm. That's so great. Ross for clarity. Yes. 
Exactly. That Karen has done so many times today. Which is perfect because you know you need it. So yeah. that awareness and, the, and then again, mm-hmm. your ability to actually step into action of asking. Mm-hmm. So you're really balancing so many of the rules all the time. Constantly. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we can think about the nurture, companion, and sentinel roles as the base programs for being a master herder. So you can think of the mm-hmm. nurture, companion, and sentinel as like your operating system. Mm-hmm. And then you just pull up the leader, dominant, or predator app when necessary. Mm, that's cute. But if we're not supporting it with that operating system of nurture, companion, and sentinel, we're going to miss all kinds of stuff. We're not going to be connected. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I love what you're saying, for example, because it's, Kelly, what you said is so true. If we're not aware in that moment, we're going to not be aware of of everything else that's going on. We're not going to be effective. We're not going to have that connection. Because we don't know where it broke down. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Cool. And finally, the predator. Um, I mean, it sounds kind of rough in a name, and yet we need this role mm-hmm. desperately. Mm-hmm. So how can we use the predator role for ourselves? Would this be where you walk out for yourself? Um, that would be really like cutting the other person out of your life. So I'm thinking more when I say self as using the predator role to cull uh, certain behaviors. Oh, ding. Stop eating. <laughs> oh, yeah. Knowing when you're full. and Knowing just, when you're full. Yeah. And it might be mixing sentinel as well, but like calling it and being like, no, I've sustained myself. This is enough. I need but, to cut myself off. But yes. that's what I was just trying to say. To know when to walk out. To know when you're done. To know you're... She's just saying for self, though. And I know that you're saying it is a decision for yourself, but you're saying it involves another person. Right? Is that where we got looped? Mm, I'm saying it even intellectually where you check out emotionally, where you check out within your head. Like detach. Mm -hmm. When you detach from somebody so that if you're in the work environment and you have to stay and you can't walk out, that you walk out in your head and you tune out. So that would be a beautiful use of the nurture companion role for yourself and the predator role for their energy, for them. Mm. Um, Whereas... The predator role used for ourselves would be looking at really, truly our own behavior, patterns, habits, beliefs, you know, culling a certain belief. Oh, like if, I'm, like if I'm aware that I, oh, I do this all the time. So if I, ha- if I know the 10 core beliefs of the people pleaser, then I know, I know all 10 of them. And I know when I'm, I'm now thinking in those terms. So I put an end to my thought. Precisely. Ah, now we're on the same page. Yes. And for listeners, it it may sound a little bit like nitty gritty or, you know, um, getting stuck on fine points. And of course, we all use these roles all the time, whether we're aware of them or not. So they're going to be kind of more fluid in some and more choppy in others. Um, But the nice thing about getting it clear is that we can have another tool to help distinguish our behavior, another tool to give that vocabulary, new language, and really uh, just a general understanding of our own behavior and others so that when we're looking at a situation, we can know, okay, this is what's going on and what role am I not willing to step into here? How can I bring that role in so that I can become more balanced in this situation? Yeah, mm-hmm. and if I'm working one in a negative, mm-hmm. if, I, if I'm not aware because I don't have the vocabulary and I'm not being nitty-gritty, how close am I to tipping over into a negative in another role, right? Because they do mm-hmm. flow into each other. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I think 
you, you kind of touched on the external and the internal there. Um, so those are basically the five roles without going too deeply into any of them. Um, I hope listeners had fun with me putting Karen and Kelly on the hot seat today. <laughs> we'll have a bell when you come back. There we go. <laughs> and Kelly will have the bell. <laughs> Um, And something I wanted to offer listeners to this podcast is, um, so there is a self-assessment that people can do online at masterherder.com. It's important to read the uh, intro to the assessment because it gives some very important details of how to take it properly. Otherwise, you're going to get kind of confused results. Um, But there is no kind of interpretation at the end of the results when you do the self-assessment. So for anyone who's listening... Um, it's my gift to the Bysarla listeners because I'm such a fan of the show. Um, oh, thank you. My thank pleasure. You. If someone wants to take the assessment and contact me before the new year, so kind of like a holiday gift, I'm happy to give a 15-minute assessment for free to anyone who chooses to do this. Thank you. That's wonderful. So uh-huh. listeners, you have to mention that you heard about the assessment on our show so that Carmen will honor that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and Carmen, just so I'm clear, can anyone do this? Like, do they have to have a horse? They do not have okay. to have a horse. And actually, it's a professional assessment, so it doesn't even yeah. talk about horses. Mm. Um, and so if you're taking this, but you want to think about a f- personal situation or your family, um, you can totally do that here, too. Just kind of warp the question a little bit in your head so that it makes sense for your personal life. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for offering that. That's great. Yeah, that's My so pleasure. Um, send me the link. I'll put it up so that people can go to that on the website or Patreon um, so that they have direct access to that perfect lovely mm-hmm. thank you for coming back yeah i look forward to and i'm gonna study your terms <laughs> because they're new and 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 i think if, if people hear that they might think yeah that's a good idea re-listen to the podcast because we've talked about a lot of these concepts and a lot of the other podcast shows that we do there's just new terms for it and that's good people need that like we said at the beginning if they like some of the terms that you're using and put that into that assessment and latch on to it, it's a wonderful way then to say, okay, how am I self-assessing and how am I assessing other people so I'm healthier? Exactly. And and it's so my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes. Thank you for coming. And we look forward to having you back. Great. So if you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at If you have questions for Carmen too, send them along. We will forward Mm -hmm. them all to her and you guys can get in touch with her. Um, Otherwise, we're back out next week with a brand new show.